Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, reading verses 9 through 16. Listen carefully as I read the word of the Lord. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Amen. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this day and particularly for this time when we can ponder afresh your word. We pray that you would uh, bless this time, that you would grant me the grace to uh, expound this passage well, and your people, all of us, grace to hear and respond well, for we ask it for your sake and in your name, amen. Where are all the kids here? Let's see. Who's here? One, two. There we go. There's Bebo. Up here, Bebo. Sermon time. You know what the word hypocrisy means? It's a big word. Okay, okay. (laughs) My wife's shaking her head. (laughs) She's seen me engage in a little bit of it once in a while. Um, We saw a big word this morning, uh, ventriloquist. Another big word this evening I want to just mention to you. It's called hypocrisy. Uh, People can be hypocrites. That is, people who engage in hypocrisy. And what hypocrisy is, is when you uh, say one thing and do or are feeling something else. 
I'll give you an example. Uh, an example. Um, sometimes when uh, children are, like, say, at uh, family gatherings or something like that, and somebody wants to take a picture of everybody, and everybody gather around for a picture, and you don't want to have your picture taken. And everybody gathers around, you sit there, and you stare at the camera and like this. Say, come on, Bebo, or whomever. Smile, be happy. And you go, you're not happy. You stick a smile on your face, right? But you're not happy. It's fake. It's fake. It's not real. So when you go like this, um, you're really being kind of hypocritical because inside you're not feeling happy. In fact, you'd like to be just about anywhere else than in front of this camera. But uh, you fake it because for whatever reason you're required to or you you think people want you to look happy and it's pretty hard to look happy when you're not happy, right? That's hypocrisy. When we obey God, when God gives us a commandment, we are supposed to do that commandment without hypocrisy. That is to say, we are supposed to do it genuinely from the heart. We're supposed to genuinely and from the heart obey God in whatever it is he's calling us to be obedient in, whether it's to honor our father or our mother, um, even when it's sometimes hard to do that, uh, whether it be um, to... Uh, want to um, say your prayers, um, whatever it might be, uh, we should not, if we come to worship, we should come to worship and we should want to seek God and worship and not just show up here or do family worship and go, oh, when are we going to be done? And you just go through the motions. God doesn't like that. God doesn't like hypocrisy and he sees it. Other people might not be able to to detect it, but God does. He detects when we're not being sincere in our hearts. And um, this passage talks, among other things, about the importance of uh, love and about demonstrating love without hypocrisy. That's one of the points. It's not the only point, but that's one of the points in this passage. The need to demonstrate love and uh, there are several things that are given as examples of how we can demonstrate love, which are coming in a few minutes. But whatever we're doing, when we're doing it, we're supposed to do it with sincerity in our hearts. And we're to examine our hearts. And when we're not being sincere, we need to ask God to help us. Uh, forgive us for not being and to help us to be sincere. You may recall from the last time we were in Romans that a major shift uh, took place at the beginning of chapter 12. Of Romans, the uh, book goes from being a largely doctrine-oriented letter up until we reach chapter twelve to becoming a largely application-oriented letter, <clears throat> as you probably heard from uh, uh, the understood or recognized from the section that I read just now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Paul views the numerous. Doctrinal truths that are set forth in the first 11 chapters, he views those doctrinal truths as the basis for the exhortations that follow in the next four chapters. So he is 
uh, now he's giving a, a bunch of exhortations or commands. And he essentially wants those commands to be in light of what he's just taught in the first 11 chapters. And we know this is the fact, the case, because Paul uses the word therefore in verse 1 of chapter 12 to connect what he has just said in the last 11 chapters with what he's about to say. And so he's saying in effect by that therefore in verse 1, since all these things that I've just said are true, this is now the way you're supposed to act in response to those truths. Well, what what truths, uh, what things are they that he has said? Well, he said lots of things, but just... By way of reminder, a few of the things are that Christ, in fact, died for us, died in our place, took our place, and suffered in our place, which we talked about uh, this morning, so that we would not have to go to hell ourselves. He endured that hell, and his death quenched the wrath of God uh, that had once been directed toward us on account of our sin. Uh, uh, the, he had, Paul had also talked about the, the result that, that as a result of Jesus' sacrifice of himself, that we ourselves are no longer under the condemnation of God's law, that we have been reconciled to God, that we have been clothed in Christ's righteousness, that we are no longer slaves to sin, and so on and so forth. And so all those things are kind of to be in the back of our minds as we consider these uh, exhortations, these commands that come in this chapter and subsequent chapters until we get to the end of the book. So, let's get back to our text. There are essentially uh, uh, two things that I want to address in this, uh, from this chapter. Two points. Uh, they are these. First, that we, we Christians are required to demonstrably and sincerely love one another. We are required uh, here and elsewhere, as we'll see in a moment, to demonstrably and sincerely love one another. And then secondly, we are told specifically how we Christians are required to demonstrably and sincerely love one another in this text as well. And we'll look at that. First, the point itself, the command, we are required. Uh, it is not a pious suggestion from Paul. It is a requirement from God. Uh, through Paul, that we are to demonstrably, by demonstration, uh, and sincerely, without hypocrisy, love one another. This, uh, the fact that we are required to love one another is no, uh, uh, is not something that's hard to find in Scripture in terms of places where it says that. Just a few uh, we'll look at here. Uh, obvious ones in John chapter 13, verse 34, we read a new commandment, Jesus speaking, a new commandment I speak to you, I give to you rather, that you love one another even as I have loved you. So there's the standard. We're to love one another even as Christ has loved us, that you also, also that you also love one another. Also in chapter 15 of John's Gospel, verse 12, we read something similar. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And then over in John's first letter that he wrote, First uh, John chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 again, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. 
Did I read the right verses? Verse 11. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And this is the clear teaching of the passage before us here in Romans as well. Paul says in Romans verse 9 of chapter 12, Let love be without hypocrisy. And then in the next verse, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. In other words, you and I, as Christians, and he's speaking, of course, to believers here, we have an obligation, it's a blessed obligation, but it is an obligation, a requirement, to have the same affection for one another as that of brothers, who are um, loving brothers, not brothers who are at war with each other, Allah, Cain, and Abel, but loving brothers. Uh, We are to have that kind of affection for our Um, spiritual brothers and sisters. Uh, And it is to be affection. It's not to be, uh, and genuine affection, not to be uh, mere perfunctory um, politeness, shall we say. And the fact that we are to be sincere, that we are to love sincerely uh, from the heart, is evident from that, uh, again, verse 9, where it says, love be Let love be without hypocrisy. The love we show must be genuine. It must not be contrived. It must not be um, artificial. Because, of course, as we know from uh, Jesus' words, uh, when he was dealing with the religious leaders um, and also other places in Scripture, there are few sins uh, that are more loathsome to God than hypocrisy. There may be some, but not many. God hates hypocrisy. Your love for your Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord needs to be genuine and heartfelt. As Robert Haldane puts it uh, in his commentary on Romans, Christians ought to be careful that while they use to each other the endearing language of brethren, they feel the sentiments and perform the actions which this language imports when we refer to somebody as our brother in the Lord, for example. It's true. It is required um, that the heart be in sync with the outward behavior. So let me ask you, um, how sincere And how often are your expressions of, outward expressions of love to others in this room, let's say, or other Christians outside of this room and other communions, but how often are your expressions sincere and how often are they insincere? There's probably, if you're like me, there's probably an admixture of sincerity and insincerity. And the degree to which there is insincerity, we need to repent. We need to uh, also ask the Lord to give us um, a desire that is commensurate with our behavior. And no, by the way, 
Sometimes I've heard people say, well, if I'm not sincere, then I shouldn't do something. Uh, I shouldn't, uh, if I'm not sincerely whatever, uh, feeling kind toward this person, then it would be wrong for me to be kind toward this person. That's foolish. Yes, it's sinful to be not feel it in your heart, but it's worse to not do it outwardly, even if you're not feeling particularly kind inwardly. And I think all of you uh, know that. So we are required by God, through his apostle, through his spirit speaking here, to demonstrably, which I'm getting to in the next point, and sincerely love one another, even when it's hard to. Which brings me to the second point. How we Christians are required to demonstrably love and sincerely love one another. And we have a list here of a number of things. Paul lists a number of things. Uh, I'm going to touch on uh, um, most of them here. Uh, more, some of them a little more, more, say more about than the others. But uh, as we look at this list, it's, it's really a list about how to show love. How to act in a loving way as a Christian towards another Christian. So we have a number of things that are mentioned. He begins, mentions in verse 9 that we are to abhor or hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And again, the, the, uh, the, the theme here is loving. Loving others. So this is, uh, this loving, uh, abhorring evil and clinging to what is good is with respect to others. I think that's his point here. Um, that's the connection. So in particular, then, we are to abhor, that is, have an intense uh, dissatisfaction and dislike for, that which is hel- uh, harmful, rather, to the well-being of our Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord. Our Christian family. We are to um, abhor these things, to loathe things that are harmful, spiritually or otherwise, to our fellow Christians. And, uh, conversely, we are to cling to those things which promote the good of the body of Christ. We are supposed to appreciate and seek for those things that promote good amongst uh, our fellow believing family members. So we are to, for example, to despise, to give you some examples here, things we are to despise in terms of evil things that relate to other people that could be harmful to others. We're to despise gossip. Thankfully, we don't uh, struggle too much with that, I don't think, in this church. Not that I have noticed. Praise the Lord for that. Um, but we are not to be uh, gossipers, nor we are we to be um, those who listen to gossip. We should walk away when we hear gossip uh, uh, unfolding uh, before us in a conversation. We are to despise slander, um, slanderous words. Uh, we are to despise uh, disputes uh, and uh, um, argumentativeness between believers. Um, we aren't to enjoy um, theological fights. There's nothing wrong with a theological discussion that's intense, but they are not to be um, unkind, nasty things, and we should not uh, relish those types of things. And most of us, I don't think, do, but uh, some people do, sadly, in the church, are looking for a fight, and we should not be uh, 
in favor of and desire such things. Other examples of things we should despise, um, acts of unkindness, uh, displays of uh, the lack of kindness in them, behavior that's unkind, a lack of forgiveness when people are unwilling to forgive others and holding grudges. Uh, We should uh, despise those things, and you get the idea. Things that hurt other people in the body of Christ, and therefore hurt Christ, for whom, uh, uh, who died for them. So, let me ask you, uh, do you hate the things you should hate? Are there any things that um, you have a... Um, that you don't properly despise, I'll put it that way, that could be potentially harmful to brothers and sisters in Christ uh, around you? Any um, corporate sins or sins that involve other people and could hurt other people? You see, we have to hate what God hates. We have to. And we need to ask him to uh, give us that kind of hatred for those evil things. God wants us and expects us to do everything that we can to minimize the harm that comes to his children. That involves, as I say, hating the right things, the things that do bring harm or potentially bring harm, um, especially hating things in the body of Christ. So hating things that other Christians may be doing. We don't hate the other Christians, but hate things that go on in the church uh, amongst some believers against other believers. We should find that repulsive, and we should want to put an end to that to the degree that we have input in that. Now, spiritual leaders probably have greater responsibilities in that respect than other people, but everybody is responsible for looking, at, looking out for the well-being of, one, uh, of the family of God. And so if you see a situation where somebody is... Um, uh, is improperly treating another brother, either by the things saying of them or uh, by the uh, ways that they are acting or uh, attitudes that they harbor, uh, it is appropriate and indeed uh, obligatory, I would say, uh, for most of us, uh, perhaps all of us, to, uh, well, if we see that, to step in and say, hey, my friend, that's not right. It's not right for you to act that way or to have those kinds of attitudes. You have to, you have to deal with this. This is not the way the Lord would have us, have you act. And that's part of hating um, harmful behavior in the body of Christ by actually doing your part to uh, minimize it or bring it to an end if it exists. God also expects you and me to show love for the brethren not only by hating evil things that harm the brethren, but by clinging to things that are um, uh uplifting to the body of Christ and are beneficial to the body of Christ, such things as peace in our midst. I don't know about you, but that's as a minister and as an elder, that's one of the things I love most about this church is we have a peaceable congregation when so many congregations do not have that. It's a wonderful mercy, and we should all be greatly uh, grateful that we have peace in our midst. Unity. Uh, um within our midst, is also uh, a blessing and something that we should cling to and and work for, uh, a unity of mind, expressions of mutual uh, and unconditional love that go on, that we see uh, displayed in our midst. Self-sacrifice. These are all things that we should cling to, as it were, that we should uh, 
we should be pleased with and seek to promote ourselves. Uh, we should be regularly considering, as the writer of the Hebrews tells us, how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Um, this is not just the job of the elders. It's the job of all of us. Uh, we are to stimulate one another. So how do we do that? How do we stimulate one another to love and good deeds? How do we uh, promote things that are good for the body of Christ among uh, believers in the church? Through our conversations and the way, the way we speak um, and the way we talk and also through our own example, the way we behave around other people and um, deal with um, uh, other people ourselves. Uh, we can stimulate one another through our words and our example. So, we are to abhor what is evil and cling to what is good, and in that way show love for uh, our fellow brethren. A second uh, how-to that Paul mentions is in verse 10, and that is by giving preference to one another in honor. Or it can be translated, uh, outdo one another in showing honor. What's Paul getting at here? Well, there are a couple possibilities as to Paul's meaning. Paul could either mean, the Holy Spirit through him, that we should prefer to see our Christian brothers and sisters praised and honored before ourselves, that we would desire greater, more greatly, somebody else's uh, recognition be recognized and be praised than than uh, ourselves or Paul could mean that we ought to strive to take the lead ourselves take the lead in honoring and showing respect to our fellow Christians <clears throat> not sure which interpretation is correct both concepts are biblical of course so even if one of the others of those interpretations is the right one right here in this occasion, both things are biblical concepts. Both, therefore, should be practiced by us and represent ways of expressing love for our fellow brethren by preferring to see others honored before ourselves. Others uh, receive, if you will, the glory or, or recognition or praise. And also by ourselves to be eager to honor others uh, and look for opportunities to do that and, and demonstrate respect uh, for others around us in the church. This is another way we can show love uh, for our fellow brethren and demonstrate it, if you will. A third way that Paul mentions is by not allowing ourselves to grow weary in our efforts to bestow honor on others. So this is in verse 11. Uh, so right after he says, he says uh, in verse 10, be, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor or outdo one another in showing honor, and this is still part of the same sentence, not lagging behind in diligence, in diligence, fervent in spirit. I think that's with respect to the outdoing one another in showing honor that he's saying that. Don't run out of steam in this effort. Don't uh, show a little honor and then go, okay, that's, you know, that's enough. Uh, I've, I've uh, done my quota for this year, type of thing. No, uh, we are to be diligent and enthusiastic uh, in a, and ongoing in our efforts to obey this command to show honor uh, uh, or to prefer to see honor shown uh, to others uh, in the church. 
And uh, Paul speaks of this, uh, the importance of, of uh, not losing heart, not growing weary, uh, when he says over in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, and let us not lose heart in doing good. I think that's the point that Paul is making here in uh, twelve eleven as well. That we're not to uh, lose heart in, in our expressions of um, uh, honor in this particular case that we show to uh, others around us in the church. Yet another way that we are to show honor, not honor, excuse me, love uh, for uh, one another uh, in the church and our fellow Christians is by identifying with the needs of the saints. This is in verse 13. He says there in verse 13, contributing <clears throat> to the needs of the saints. The Greek word that Paul uses here almost always means to share in or to partake of. It is seldom, if ever, it seldom, if ever, means to contribute to. It's kind of strange that the New American Standard translates it contributing to the needs of the saints because that's not the normal word is rendered. Uh, sharing in the needs of the saints or partaking of the needs of the saints is uh, much more probable, probably uh, the meaning. So what Paul and the Holy Spirit through him is probably telling us here is that God expects us to identify with the needs of other Christians, particularly probably poorer Christians, those who have physical uh, uh, or financial needs in our midst. As we, I share in those needs in the sense of identifying with those needs, um, <clears throat> excuse me, their needs will kind of uh, almost by osmosis become our own in a sense. Uh, that's the idea of, again, sharing. Uh, we, will, we will feel the burden of the needs of our fellow Christian brothers and sisters uh, and we will, as Paul says over in Galatians 6 also, bear their burdens with them. Of course, as we feel the needs of others in the church who may be... Uh, in, uh, and not just in this congregation, of course, but in the greater body of Christ. Uh, as we feel those needs and uh, the weight of those needs, if you will, a natural outgrowth of doing so will be a desire on our part to hopefully alleviate those needs with whatever resources we have at our disposal. Thomas Robertson put it this way, he said, The soul is to be drawn out to the poor, and the purse is to follow. I think there's something to that. Our hearts are to go out to them, and uh, our pocketbooks are to follow along uh, for the ride, so to speak, uh, by um, following our hearts and desiring to minister to those who are struggling uh, physically uh, to provide for themselves. And this, is, of course, is an obviously another tangible way of showing love to our fellow uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord who are less um, blessed. I was going to say fortunate, but that's the wrong word. Blessed than we are, materially speaking. He also mentions practicing hospitality as another form of love that we are to express. Hospitality is a privilege and it is also a responsibility of uh, the believer. We are to do that. Some of us 
better in better positions to do that than others, uh, or to do it more regularly than others are for various reasons. Uh, but we are not to fail to consider how we can show hospitality. And this need not involve big showy displays of big meals. It can simply involve inviting someone over for coffee or going out for coffee um, and spending time uh, with such a one. But we are to look for opportunities to engage with other brothers and sisters and interact with them um, outside of the confines of uh, Sunday morning and Sunday evening, it seems to me. And that shows love when we call somebody up and say, hey, let's get together. Let's spend some time together. You're saying, you're important to me. I care about you and I want to find out what's going on in your life or catch up with you and uh, learn about how I can be... um, uh, pray for you or be involved in, in, in uh, things that are important to you. It's a demonstration of love. We are to practice hospitality. Another way that we can, and uh, another concrete way that we can demonstrate love uh, is by being of the same mind toward one another. Verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. <clears throat> Paul here in the Spirit through him is reminding us that one of the practical ways that we can show love is by being at peace. I think that's what Paul is getting at here. We're to be at peace with somebody whom we love. We are to love everybody in the church. We are therefore to be at peace with everybody in the church. Um, Not formally at peace, like outwardly at peace, but really in our hearts at peace with another individual. To the degree that that situation of mutual peace not exists between you and some other Christian, in other words, to the degree that there's disharmony or tension between you and someone else in the body of Christ, God expects you to do what you can, everything you can, to remedy the situation uh, to the degree that uh, you're in a position to do so, to not wait for the other person to come and uh, seek to bury the hatchet with you, but you uh, making that effort um, and taking the initiative to solve the problem. Do you have any unresolved issues with another believer in this church or in some other express, uh, um, part of the body of Christ? Is there anybody that you're at odds with? You're to love that person, and that means to do what you can to uh, remedy, uh, bring peace to the relationship once again. Another expression of love that is mentioned by Paul in verse 16, after this mention of uh, being of the same mind toward one another, is not being haughty in your attitude toward the humbler members of the church. But rather than being haughty toward them, associating with that those individuals freely. We don't have a large contingent of, um, um, how should we say, uh, people of modest means, very modest means in our church, um, homeless or semi-homeless folks. We've had occasional folks of that uh, uh, in those situations with us at times. Uh, so we don't have a large contingent in this congregation. But um, 
Were that ever to happen, were that uh, ministry, if you will, ever to grow in our midst uh, beyond what it is, we are to not um, keep our distance from such folks. Whenever we look down our noses at another believer or refuse to spend time with him or her because he is uneducated, because he's poorly dressed, or even because he smells funny, uh, we grieve God's heart. Because that's being unkind. That's being unloving. Now, if he smells funny, you might eventually want to suggest that he bathe a little bit more frequently. But even in saying that, you must... Say it in a gentle and a loving way, if you're going to say it, uh, that doesn't communicate disdain for him or for her. Um, But again, we mustn't wait until uh, there is no longer that off-putting whatever it is to uh, approach and be kind to and warm to somebody in uh, that position who is a Christian or a professing Christian. We need to treat the humbler members of of Christ's body exactly the way we treat the more distinguished, if we can use that word, members of the body. James forcefully makes this point in his epistle. I'll remind you of what he said. Uh, you know the passage probably in Hebrews, uh, James rather, chapter 2, the first nine verses. He says this, now, brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, uh, and you spe- pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in the good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? The answer, of course, is yes. Listen, my brethren, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. We are to love all of God's people. Some are easier to love than others. Uh, Because of personality, because of dress, because of race, because of um, common backgrounds, whatever. Um, But that doesn't mean we can limit ourselves to those we feel comfortable with all the time. Uh, and showing these ways of loving. So we are to show uh, love in the manner, just to remind you of the ways in which we are to show love. We're not just to say we love, uh, 
but we are to do something to show it and to do it sincerely. We are to abhor that which is uh, harmful to the body of Christ and people in it and to cling to those behaviors uh, and pursue those behaviors and pr- promote those that are good. We are to give... Um, uh, to prefer to see uh, others honored uh, before ourselves and do what we can to take the lead in showing honor to others as an expression of our love for them. We are to not grow weary in doing that. We are to identify with and uh, the needs of the poor amongst us. Um, we are to feel their burden, if you will, and uh, um, do what we can to alleviate that burden or uh, show them our love for them. We're to practice hospitality when the Lord provides opportunity. We are to be of the same mind towards another, that is to be at peace and not uh, have different minds with respect to each other. And we are to not be haughty, not to think ourselves better and stay away from certain Christians because uh, we don't feel instantaneously comfortable with them. These are all ways that our Lord acted. Um, and they are ways that we must increasingly act ourselves. Where would the Lord have you um, improve in this act of demonstrating love? What, what has, what has uh, sticked, stuck in your mind from what I have said? That is what the Lord would have you pursue first, it seems to me, uh, in applying this passage today and in subsequent days and weeks ahead. God can give you the grace to grow in these areas. He will give you the grace by his spirit. All you need to do is seek that grace, and we'll do that right now. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that you uh, loved us with uh, an indescribable, unfathomable love and continue to do so, and you call on us uh, through uh your servant John and uh, Paul as well, to, to love the brethren, to show love as you showed us love. Um, we are to imitate you, our master, and we thank you that um, you have given us your example and that you have given us your spirit that we might grow in our uh, the sincerity of our love, um, the breadth of our love, and the uh, our willingness to demonstrate that love. Would you please help each one of us here today, Lord, to take to heart what we have heard, uh, to ponder where we need to grow um, in showing love for others around us in this church and others. And we ask that you would help us to to be more loving uh, and thereby to glorify you and show you how Grateful we are for the love that you have shown us in Christ. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God's blessing. Now may the God of peace, who brought it from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.